Oh man, if you got a house with six rooms or four rooms or five rooms or twelve rooms, however many you have, um, you're getting full use of all the rooms all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all five of us are here. You know, drove the kid home from college uh, last weekend. And everybody has workspace. Everybody has a place to go hide. Um, and thankfully, I have not had to like timeshare my office with anybody. Yeah, I was really worried about having to work from home and then having the kids try to do school from home. Um, I have one in middle school and one in high school with a laptop, needing a laptop full time. Oh, yeah. And it turns out that hasn't been the case. And also, we've somehow managed to procure. Uh, an extra laptop, but I certainly wasn't going to be able to let them borrow mine from nine to five or eight to five or whenever it is I end up working. And then whenever it is, they end up having school. And right now that seems sort of ambiguous, but, um, <laughs> but it's, it's an interesting time for everyone. Do, uh, so they give us, our kids all get Chromebooks. You guys don't have anything like that or iPads or anything like that? Yeah, they have accounts and they can log in. Um, and there are lots of assignments that they get that are online. Yeah. Um, so the the doing schoolwork online part isn't new, but the actual hardware, I just think there's probably too many people. Um, like there's almost 3,000 kids in my son's high school. So that's a lot of laptops. Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan. You've tuned into the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Two guys and occasional guests talking about the news in NCAA Division Three football. That's the largest division with the smallest schools. I'm Pat Coleman, the guy in charge of D3Football.com. I'm going to introduce you to my co-host, Keith McMillan, who's been involved with the website since 1999. Keith, this is your time to tell us uh, the things that you tell us. Well, I'm just the co-host, the former player, the the yin to your yang or the balance to your I could be pretty unbalanced uh, oh there you go Un unbalanced now we're getting right into our football references <laughs> yeah. off top I think everybody uh, misses football I mean this is from talking to you know listening to the interviews that we have later in the podcast and talking to a couple of coaches people miss football but like nobody has lost sight of of just how much more important staying healthy is right now than uh, than staying active for football. Yeah. And Keith has mentioned previously on this podcast that we had a podcast before. It was cool to have a podcast. I have to say also that we have been doing social distancing since before it was cool as well. Keith and I have done the majority of these podcasts while a thousand miles or more apart. And that's how we're doing this one as well. It's maybe the one thing that's consistent in this time of necessary inconsistency and upheaval for everybody. Those of us who have our health, our jobs, and a home to hole up in have little to complain about, and our sympathy should go to anyone who doesn't have all three of those things. We'll talk to a coach later in the podcast who lost his job or is losing it, and not necessarily because of the coronavirus pandemic, but all three of our coaches have been affected in some way, as have you, the listener, and you too, Pat. So even though we're all going it alone for a little while, we are oddly all in this together. I would love for this to be the one and only COVID-19 themed or centered or affected podcast we do, but that's probably not the case. Uh, in this one, however, we're joined by Chris Douglas. He sat down with us less than 24 hours after McMurray College, that's the one in Illinois, announced that it was closing for good following the spring semester. How much of a role did COVID play? How did he communicate with his players who were already gone because of the epidemic? We'll talk about that and more with him coming up in a few minutes. We also chat with North Central coach Jeff Thorne, who is going into the 2020 season as the coach of the defending champs, needing to make a decision on a new starting quarterback with no spring practice. And we have FDU Florham head coach Jimmy Robertson joining us as well from not far outside New York City, one of the areas which is hardest hit by the virus. He was just named head coach six weeks ago, and now he has his players working out at home on a program that the Devil's Strength Coach put together. Uh, but Keith, you know, we know all know that this virus and its spread shut down all sports in the U.S., pro and college, major and minor sports at every level. But, you know, to be honest with you, it's like we are, like you said, we're all going through this. We're all going through this sports withdrawal um, and everybody has to deal with it in some senses differently and in a lot of senses uh, the same. Yeah, and it's not even really the sports withdrawal. Like you figure out after a couple of days, all right, I can live without coming home to watch the NBA tonight or, you know, opening day didn't happen on schedule. 
but it'll happen at some point and and we'll enjoy baseball again or you know march madness right which normally we'd all be yeah. uh going nuts about that at this time uh not happening you it doesn't take that long i think to realize that that those of us even if your life somewhat revolves around sports um you know that we can function without it especially if you have family to take care of or a job that you have to do but it's very different for the people who work in sports in other words, you're the coach of a team you're responsible for 90 100 150 guys plus other employees and their job decisions and life decisions and how those affect family that's really profound is not the word but it's just it really strongly uh, affects people and listening to them talk about that and and I talked to um to coach Thorne and and uh Jeff Dart from Mount Union for the uh for the Street and Smiths preview and both of those guys were very aware that the most important thing to do is to is to stay healthy first right follow the directions of of um you know the guidance coming from the governors from the colleges from uh health professionals and, and take care of each other but then also to figure out how to get everyone or how to keep everyone together apart right which is is sort of like the running play on words that's that's been happening a lot lately where you're like every we're all far away, but we live in a time where we're fortunate enough to uh, to connect. And, and here we are on podcast doing the same thing. Yeah, when I realized that I was going to have to go to D.C. to pick up my kid from college uh, in the middle of March rather than the middle of May, uh, I contacted uh, Mountain Union. I said, you know, this would be a great time for us to have that conversation with uh, the new head coach that uh, you guys were talking about. And uh, I thought that I would you know, do that interview on the way down there. And then like, you know, a couple days later, I was thinking, what was I crazy? I was going to do an in-person interview, even just one-on-one with, you know, someone from uh, someone from Minneapolis talking with someone from uh, Central Ohio or Eastern Ohio or whatever, uh, whatever we want to consider that. I was like, yeah, no, that, that made no sense whatsoever. It made a little sense on Monday when I was suggesting it. And by Wednesday, I was like, oh yeah, that's pretty dumb. But I think that's, everybody went through that to the point where, there, there was a time, remember this, where they were going to play the NCAA tournament or they were going to play NBA games yeah. with empty arenas. Like we were trying to figure out how can we keep everything as normal as possible by moving each other apart. And we realized pretty quickly that um, that the only way to shrink the spread, to flatten the curve, right? We've learned all these these new <laughs> terms yeah. over the uh, over the social distancing is my shoe in for. 2020 word of the year, but I think flatten the curve is going to be right behind it. Yeah. Um, the only way to do that is to separate for we, everybody hoped it would be two weeks, but it's really going to be like eight weeks, yeah. maybe longer. And, uh, and, you know, to just figure out how to stay sane, to take care of your family, to, to make sure as few as people, few people as possible get the disease. And so it, um, or catch the virus was probably a more proper way to say it. So, so yeah, things that seemed like good ideas at the time, um, you'll hear a coach later in the pod talk about um, people were still going to, they were going to be sending their players workouts to go to the gym um, <laughs> back in their hometowns. And then and then we all kind of realized, well, if you're still at the gym, just because you're not on campus congregating with the team, you're still uh, being around more people than you need to be around. And, and I think the message is probably you can't cut off all human contact, but anything that's not absolutely necessary uh, needs to be limited at this point in time. And so that's the steps that 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 we're all taking. You mentioned, and like you uh, did last year, you you were writing the Division Three football preview for Street and Smiths. This is a uh, you know a time of year where you know sometimes maybe it's hard to get uh, schools on the phone to get uh, you know just to get the conversation started. Now sports information directors are like. Yeah, yeah, let's do this. I'm sure. What uh, what are the interesting things that we should look out for when uh, that hits newsstands or I guess grocery stores? Because I'm not sure if newsstands will be open. <laughs> right, you may have to you may have to purchase it online uh, or get a mail order copy of it. Um, well, once again, I'm I'm thrilled to be doing it. We've we've for the longest time we've always said, um, you know, we just wanted the most authentic representation of D3 in, in all the magazines, whether it be Street and Smiths or or another brand. Um, and and I'm thrilled that we that we have that at this point in time. Part of it is to try to tell us something that we don't that we wouldn't already know. 
Um, and, and honestly, there's not a lot of that happening right now because spring ball is gone. Right. And you got really three major things are affected. And the third one didn't occur to me until I was listening to the interviews for this podcast. So uh, I'll give uh, us some credit for pointing this one out. But the first one is is the loss of spring ball, the 15 practices. Two is uh, is the effect it's going to have on recruiting. And, and three is the effect it has on strength training and uh, how teams are going to be able to, to – uh, keep their 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 teams in shape. I, I think, and I think wrapped in with that, and this is something uh, Coach Dart was telling me about. Instead of having spring ball, um, and you're go you're going through 15 practices with your new quarterback and getting the wide receivers on the same page, they're now teaching the offense over over Zoom or over video conferencing. Um, Coach Thorne, right, who's got the national champion, or we're gonna they got to figure out how to replace Brock Rutter. They're going to have to do that without the benefit of 15 practices. And, and Thorne was one of the ones who said most of what you do in the spring is passing offense because um, you don't really get to go, uh, you know, full full hitting. So you do a lot of um, seven on seven. You get your your passing offense together. They would it would have mattered to answer the actual question you asked. The the kind of the overarching theme is that there was already going to be a lot of change as it before. We discussed a, a, a uh, or before social distancing began uh, to to flatten the curve to slow the spread of uh, of a virus pandemic. There was already going to be a new quarterback at North Central, at St. John's where Jackson Erdman won't be back, at um, Mount Union where D'Angelo Fulford was a three year starter. Ithaca won't have Joe Germanario. Um, David Tamaro's gone from Johns Hopkins. Like all these really major. Uh, players and that those are just the quarterbacks they're obviously uh, all Americans and all-stars uh, up and down the uh the the rosters that will not be back next season but this was already kind of a big season of upheaval of change and that change really started last year around the end of the second round when uh when North Central knocked Mount Union out of the tournament and went on to win the national championship the defending champion last year, Mary Harden Baylor, didn't get out of the third round, and you, you start. So you're going to start this season, I think, with like eight, maybe seven teams, six teams that um, that really feel like they're they're elite, and and you don't know which one is um, is ahead of the other. And I don't think there's an answer to it right now. Like we can't find out who found their quarterback in spring ball, and should be should we really be looking out for this particular guy? You know, obviously teams had an idea before spring ball and they'll and and everybody's in the same boat which is something both coach dart and both coach thorne said this is not an advantage or disadvantage to everyone but some coaching staffs and some teams will handle it better than others and they'll emerge from this um not stronger but less weakened i guess is the right the right way to put it and um you know we just hope that we don't have to deal with a coach or a player or uh, an administrator, somebody coming down with it and, and th- affecting a program in a way that, that would be unforeseen. Now on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, we're joined by Chris Douglas, the head coach at McMurray, the one in Illinois, and not for much longer as McMurray announced on Friday afternoon that it was closing for good following the spring semester. Coach, I think we knew that some schools would probably not make it through this, and I know that the COVID-19 thing is not the entirety of the reason that McMurray shut down because this has been a an ongoing story with the college for some time, but you know, what just tell us what it's like. It's less than 24 hours since we got the news that we're having this conversation. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're where you guys are at right now. Well, me personally, I'm sick. Um It's very disheartening for our players, uh, for our staff. You know, we've got uh, a good portion of our football staff still intact. Um, I took over as the athletic director, interim athletic director, about about three weeks ago now. And so now I feel responsible even for our other coaches and our other sports. And so I'm just sick about it. Um, You know, this was not a surprise necessarily. I think it was still shocking. 
And I think when it, it, it hits you, uh, the reality gets to you, then it it's obviously more real and it, it, it hits a little bit harder. But uh, this is something that's been going on since, um, at least that we were aware of since Christmas. And But it's really something that's been brewing for years here at McMurray. Uh, it's just really come to roost now. Um, COVID was just basically the the cherry on top of it. Uh, it wasn't the the linchpin necessarily, although it it really made us nervous about our our freshman class coming in and how that would look because being at a school that's roughly 500 students, every student counts. I mean, it, you know, this sometimes that's very cliche. Financially, every student counts, and so having a low class definitely would not have helped. And you know, the threat, the the uh, the, the specter of having closure out there, even if we did stay open, was not going to help retention as well. So we were very nervous about it. But at the end of the day, I don't know that COVID really made the decision, but sure. it sure didn't help. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 500 or so full-time students, uh, which meant that you know your football program was about 20% of the student body. And then I would have to think right. that the uh, you know the athletic department as a whole is probably contributing somewhere around maybe half of all students at at the college. Is that about right? At least uh, we usually it's somewhere around uh, even close to sixty percent. Yeah, it is amazing how you know how much these schools are dependent on football. And Keith and I have talked about this a lot on the podcast, and we've talked about it in the D three hoops world as well. So you're going through this right now in a time, of course, in which students are not on campus. As a coach, first off, how do you get a chance to communicate with your with your football players? knowing that, uh, you know, that you have to deliver this bad news or did they, how did they find out? How did you, did you inform them or did the school? Well, that's the hardest thing, first of all. And, and I told them that in my message that not being able to share this pain and share this grief with you together and us to work through it together in person is probably the toughest thing. Um, so our, our administration decided that they wanted to have a unified message to come out at the exact time. So I did not share anything ahead of time. But what I did was I pre-prepared a video message that I sent out to all of our players about 15 minutes after the announcement, along with an email. And then honestly, last night, the announcement was three o'clock central time. Um, I had a wedding rehearsal. My daughter is getting married today at three o'clock. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So let's add a little bit more on top. Uh, so I had a wedding rehearsal at five o'clock. So I took a little bit of time for that, but, um, yeah, from about three o'clock to midnight last night, I was answering text and then got back up and there was another, uh, 70 or so texts that I was responding to this evening or this morning, uh, whether it was our players, it was former players, it was, uh, former coaches we've had, it's high school coaches we've recruited, it's college coaches that I know it's, it's even friends here in Jacksonville that we know friends and family. Uh, it's just been crazy. And I mean, even while we're talking, my phone is buzzing. I'm getting more texts as, as we come in. So yeah. my plan today was to reach out to all of our recruits and all of our deposits. I don't know that that's going to happen now. I've got a wedding at three o'clock, so <laughs> I've got to get ready for it. And then, you know, I've got one-on-ones with our, our players starting tomorrow. Well, I really appreciate that you squeezed us in there. I don't, this was, <laughs> I, we could have totally done this on Sunday, I'm sure. You said you come into my house on the day my daughter's to be married and you ask me to do murder. Money. You really, I, I will try to get this done quickly so that you can get off to your daughter's wedding. That's super important. <laughs> well, you're fine. We've got it. We've got a few hours, but no, I really, Pat, with, with what you and Keith do, uh, it really makes D3 special, I think. Y'all do an awesome job for our level of football that doesn't get a lot of attention. I, I grew up as an NAIA guy, right. and I know what it's like not to have any type of, of media attention. And so what y'all do, I, it's, it's a blessing for Division Three, but it, it is really cool. I really appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. I know that the college announced that there were a, a handful of schools that had uh, already been set up with kind of you know quick and easy transfer programs. A handful of them sponsored Division Three football. Uh, uh, the kids, uh, your kids who are not seniors, your student athletes, are, do you expect that a, a large number of them will go and play football somewhere else in the fall? Yeah, I do, and I I highly encouraged them all to in my last conversation or my last address to them. I wanted them to continue to play. It was very important to me that they at least consider it, and I know that not all will. 
Some will make some decisions based on academics or based on I, my options are not good or that they're too far away or whatever. But um, I really want to see all of them. Uh, I, I expressed to our team how grateful I was for the work that they've done in, they've, they've put in. But this team that we have together right now in the offseason is probably the tightest team we've ever had. Just how connected they are, uh, how supportive they are of each other. And so that's going to be the hardest thing. I want them to try to create those type of atmospheres and those type of environments at other places they go. Hopefully they took some lessons that they learned here and are able to apply them and make places that they go better. And so, yes, we have seven different institutions, uh, all of them Division Three. One doesn't play football and one's Division Two. Um, that are tr- we have transfer agreements with that those schools will take our credits and accept them 100 percent, even if they're even if they are senior. Even if they, you know, even waive the 30 hour rule uh, that most schools have. Right. Exactly. Um, I know that when we've talked, uh, for kickoff in years past that a lot of the kids, uh, that you have had in your program really come from right around that Jacksonville area. Right. So I could see where Mm -hmm. some of them like look at some of those schools on the list and go, I may not be able to go to. Greenville. I'm not really good with my uh, Southern Illinois geography, so that's I, okay. I'm not sure yeah. if that's a good uh, a good example, but you get my drift. I hope. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good thing. A lot of the schools that are in our transfer agreement are well, they are all around here. Even even the one locally here in town right. is in that list, and so I think there's going to be some options for some of those guys. You're still not going to name them even now. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I don't. I don't mind. I don't <laughs> mind naming them. Uh, so we have uh, Monmouth. No, we I, have Eureka. Right. I meant specifically the one when you said the one here in town is like oh Illinois oh, College. <laughs> Illinois no, no, no. College I still, I'm still, I'm still Mac fam, so I, I can't, I can't mention the the school twelve blocks down the road. <laughs> that's what, I, that's what I was getting at. I, I think you're allowed to continue to do that for as long as you want to. Thank <laughs> you. At least for another few days. I, we'll, we'll see how I feel down the road. <laughs> Ray and Ray and I, Coach DeFrisco and I are great friends. He already reached out to me yesterday and and uh, giving condolences. Uh, but that's a great thing about our relationship. Uh, it's fortunate and kind of unfortunate. I think a lot of people really wanted us to play. You know, in, in Mac Murray's 35 years of football, they've never played a varsity contest okay. against each other. Yeah. But Ray and I decided a couple of years back that w- it was way more advantageous for us to scrimmage each other and to play JV contests than it would to play a game. So that we could both benefit instead of and being able to continue the relationship we have and share information. Uh, we we clinic with each other uh, all the time. And so if we were playing against each other, it'd make that a lot tougher. Totally understandable. And I, I'm just uh, I'm just yanking your chain on the rivalry thing. I, I love it, though, when I because, you know, lots of coaches do that. They have a, a, a code name for someone who uh, is a rival who you don't want to name check. Right. I totally. That's right. Totally the the team that. up north or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. OK, so about you personally. Right. Obviously, you you've known about this, you know, maybe in the back of your mind for a little while and up close and personal for, you know, longer than the, uh, the, the 21 hours that the rest of us have known, what are your prospects for the fall? Do you, and I can only assume that it's not going to be a huge severance package and you'll need to work somewhere in the fall. Yeah, we, we get 60 days and that's about it. But, uh, those, those will be important 60 days. We've our number one job. I told our staff yesterday after the announcement was, um, and all of our coaches is to make sure our, our players finish the semester strong. Uh, they've got to get as high a grades as they can so they can set themselves up for the next opportunity. Yeah. Uh, we need to help facilitate them finding a new new spot and try to mentor them through that, try to navigate those those waters. And I fielded a ton of text and questions already. Sure. And we'd already prepared some stuff ahead of time. But uh, uh, like I said, I'll be following up with those guys Sunday. And then yeah, you know, through the years, there's been opportunities for me to to go other places in Division Three and, and other levels. And um, I don't know, it's it, it's the timing maybe wasn't right. Uh, the situation wasn't right. Maybe it was Mac Murray. Um, you know, nine years of being here. Right. Uh, my family, my family's grown up here. My daughter, who's getting married again uh, this afternoon, was uh, was in elementary school when we moved here. And uh, you know, now she's she's a student here at Mac. Uh, we'll finish up her last semester here at Mac, uh, and uh, you know then she'll be married. And so it, there's a lot of connections here, and it's made it tough for us to leave, even when there's been some really good opportunities to to depart. So uh, I, I've really had a, a strong loyalty uh, to our our institution, but more importantly to our our players that we've had. And even knowing this 
this was coming down the pike. I, I felt like it was really important to see this thing through and give our guys the best opportunity to have some continuity and some consistency. And so saying that now, yes, I would, I would love to stay in ball and uh, continue coaching. And so I, I will be a free agent soon. (laughs) (laughs) How many of those, uh, how many of those hundred or so student athletes who are on your team are non-seniors and and are also, I guess, free agents? So we had, we were expecting around 15 to 17 seniors back uh, this year. We had a couple guys that were, we're waiting for a red shirt to get cleared and Still waiting for that. We'd like to push that through. So it was going to be one of our bigger senior classes, actually, uh, in the last couple of years. Our biggest was 18 a couple of years ago when we had the good run in, in 2017. Um, or excuse me, 2018. And uh, so, yeah, this will be a, a pretty sizable class. And I worry about a few of them because I know how it is as a coach to get that that guy that has that one year and how's it going to fit chemistry-wise and academically. Is he a good risk because – you know, you're not going to benefit a lot except for that, you know, one year that he might damage your team GPA or those type of things. So uh, it's scary for me, for some of our guys. Well, you know, it would be certainly uh, something that we'll continue to watch. We want to see what the, you know, the McMurray uh, legacy does here over the course of the next couple of years. Um, and, you know, it, maybe it will be something super fun. And, uh, you know, a, a dozen of those seniors all go to the same place and it becomes something crazy somewhere. That'd be cool. Well, I know they have spoken about that. So I, I am hopeful that a lot of them can go in in packs and groups um, because that, again, I, I like to take a lot of pride in the, the legacy that we've, we've built with our coaching staff. Yeah. Uh, I want to see that same thing for the players that we've had in our program, at least for the next few years and, and you know, have an influence uh, some other places. Keith, we've got schools that have been on the edge of survival for some time, and McMurray's the sixth D3 member actually to close its doors in the past couple of years. Only two football schools. The thought of a bunch of football players from McMurray going off to one school together is really tantalizing, but more so, a school such as Eureka, for example, could really benefit from the chance to add a few dozen students because Eureka isn't much larger as student bodies go. And that has to be part of the thought process for these groups of players, right? You want to stick together, or or some of them do at least. Um, but everyone has to make the best decision for himself. And so some people won't have the major they want to go to at, at the school there that everybody wants to congregate at, or uh, some people may may w- be willing to sacrifice that. Who knows? I, I do think it it is interesting that a program, you know, part of the assessment for those players has to be. Would you? Will we get playing time? Will we be able to assimilate ourselves into the new program quickly enough? Especially if you're a rising senior, uh, if you're a, if you got two or three seasons left, I think you just tr- you know you try to find the best fit for you overall. Because remember, you have to go to this school in theory if it opens up. Uh, you have to exist at this place for two or three more years of your life, so you have to feel like it's a good fit. Like I don't I don't think the way you choose a school would be any different when you transfer than when you're first getting recruited unless you have a really limited amount of time to play and and you need to make playing time a big part of the equation but it would be kind of that would be one way i think to make it a a, a happy a happy-ish ending if those guys could could all positively affect a program i think uh i think coach douglas would be proud you know, coach douglas was there for nine seasons uh, I talked with him uh, basically every one of those years for kickoff, and it was just cool to see you know him kind of stabilize that program. It had uh, been a lot of turnover previously, and uh, they were seven and thirty-four in his first four years, but then thirty-four and fifteen after that, and that really made that program into something that uh, into a program that was able to compete. Did you really do the UMAC preview nine years in a row? Who else is doing the UMAC preview? Yeah, it's just, it occurred to me as you said it. I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. But wow, it just feels like it's a lot of years. Now on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, we're joined by Jeff Thorne, the head coach of the defending national champions, North Central, uh, of course, with the uh, win against uh, UW-Whitewater in the Stag Bowl, which seems forever ago because the planet has changed so much since then. But uh, first of all, Coach, uh, congratulations once again on that, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. 
Thanks, Pat. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. What is it like now to be uh, a football coach who's uh, sheltering at home? <laughs> it's an adjustment, I can tell you that. It's It's been uh, a crazy week to 10 days in trying to manage our way through this thing. And, uh, you know, I think we, we've chosen to look at it kind of as a blessing in, in terms of having newfound time with our families and being able to reconnect with them and get to, get back to, to what matters most. Uh, as far as a football thing, you know, we're just making the best of, of what we have. And thank goodness, you know, for all the last few years that we've coaches have complained and talked about the negatives of social media, this actually, and technology, this actually is, has turned that around and kind of on its head. It's really been a blessing to have access to social media through these times and have access to technology that, allow, that allows us to connect face-to-face the hardest part has been not getting a chance to see our players yeah so to have apps like skype and zoom and things of that nature it's really been it's been great to be able to connect and and actually be able to get some film work done and just have that chance to see them face-to-face i i kind of always thought that a a football coach with the time on his hands would be doing like would just be uh (laughs) scratching out new plays and run uh you know completely changing the playbook yeah you know it's 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 been cool the nfl game day pass uh made that available uh, through March 30th. So we've accessed that. And today there was a, I got a message that there's coaching uh, clinics online that have, that have been opened up. So a lot of time on our hands. It's an opportunity to hear from other guys that are doing great things in the, in, you know, in the profession and learn what they're doing and see how it fits with what we're capable of doing at our place. How are the student athletes holding up? Cause they've been off campus for a little while by now, right? Yeah. You know, I think, just history and time has told us that the most resilient group of all t- tends to be your student athletes. So I think they're doing okay. I'm sure they're getting antsy with not being able to go outside and uh, or get into a gym more more specifically because they can go outside. But I, most of them probably have some difficulty finding everything they're used to working out with. So getting creative with body weight workouts and just movements to keep their bodies uh, in decent shape has probably been a challenge for them. This is not a great time, obviously, for uh, for teams to lose spring practice. Obviously, it's someone like you guys who are trying to figure out who your next quarterback is going to be, uh, that sort of thing. How, you know, obviously there's a lot of things to be done between now and hopefully camps open in August. Yeah. But uh, what, what are you, where are you guys kind of on that? Yeah, certainly that uh, that was a little bit of a blow. It would have been uh, valuable for us to get that extra time, those, those 15, 16 practices to – really kind of give our quarterbacks an opportunity to perform, not necessarily, you know, with bullets obviously flying, but just to be able to execute our passing game in the spring gives us usually a, a pretty good idea of, of who's going to have a chance to be able to execute the offense. So it'll be a little bit more hectic, I would say, a little bit more competitive uh, in the fall when we, if, if and when we're able to get back to, to fall camp. So what was it like in that interim when you've got national champion, uh, you know, program and you're out there recruiting in schools and that sort of thing? What kind of reactions were you getting? Uh, that was obviously pleasant. We kind of were hopeful that, that there would be a difference. And certainly I think the perception of the program has changed a little bit when you're able to finally win the big one. Um, so we enjoyed that opportunity. It was short lived uh, having recruiting cut short here and really getting out into schools a little bit later than what we were accustomed to. But, you know, it's got, it's just, it's got a nice ring to it when you can say we were, you know, 2019 national champions and and that carries a lot of weight with it. That is one of the things that coaches who go deep into the playoffs talk about is that uh, the difference between going out in the second round and, and winning the national championship is, you know, that's three fewer weeks of pretty prime time. Yeah. And, and, you know, by the time we finished the, the high schools in Illinois were all closed, so we couldn't get into schools and we had to wait until January. So, Certainly our, our recruiting schedule was impacted. Uh, the quality of, of athlete, student athlete, we were able to, to get on campus for visits, I think was a little different than uh, what, we've, what we've experienced the last several years. So we're excited about how that's going to translate into a great recruiting class here uh, come, come fall. Uh, let me just ask, and we don't have to use this in the podcast, but how are your parents doing? They're doing great. Pat, really appreciate you asking. They're down in... Uh, they're in Marco Island, and they, they spend about three months every year down there. And obviously, that's it's pretty it's pretty serious as it relates to my mom. With right. you know being someone that's that's carrying multiple myeloma, if she were to get the coronavirus, it would not be good. So I'm really 
we're thankful that we're, they're down there. My son and I had an opportunity to go see them uh, about three weeks ago. So we got down and back before it got really serious. So thankful to, to have had that time with them. They're doing really well. Uh, and I'm really glad that they're down there because they've got a pretty secluded beach that they're able to get to daily. And um, I just think they're in a place where it's probably going to be less contagious, I guess, maybe the wrong word to use, but less of a probability that my mom's going to run into that down there. Right. Fewer people to be in contact with or yeah. something like that, right? A little more isolated. Yeah. 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 How about what the kids are, the student athletes are doing right now? Like what were the plans that you guys put together for them, for them to try mm-hmm. to stay active and still, you know, improve during this time? Yeah. Our, our strength and conditioning coach, uh, Tim Janicek, who's our D-line coach as well, uh, does a great job with our strength and conditioning program. He had, you know, everything ready to go in terms of what each kid will be able to do. So if they had access to a weight room or maybe they have a home gym, then there's one set of things that you can continue doing. If they don't, there's some body weight workouts and things of that nature, push-ups and pull-ups and, and things like that, that, that they can continue to do to keep their bodies in shape. Uh, from a football standpoint, we've really had a ton of success with this Zoom app. Um, and our meeting time, it's honestly, we're able to install our offense and defense. The problem is we just don't get to watch them do it and have this, the, the practice film to study. Yeah. But we can show them game film from last year. So our young players that really rely on spring ball in turn to have that ability to learn the offense or defense to play faster. They're at least getting that chance to get back into the playbook with us and have them have us give the opportunity to teach them what we're looking for and show them how it's supposed to look. So I mean, I guess making the best out of the situation. I haven't heard anybody really talking about this, although I've been more, fo- more focused on basketball for the, the past couple of weeks. But as, have you heard anybody talking about, you know, could we bring kids into camp early, try to make up for some of those mispractices with an extra five days or something? Haven't heard any talk of it, but it's certainly something our staff has discussed together and kind of hoping that the NCAA looks at this scenario and says, okay, here's what you typically have here are some accommodations that we can give to division one, division two, II, division three. You know, my hope is that they give us some access sometime during the summer. You know, the other things that we're concerned about, we, we hold the prospect camps every year at North central that, that are a big deal to us from a fundraising standpoint, but also last year we had 1100 student athletes come through our campus for those prospect camps. Wow. And that's, it's, it's just a great opportunity to get those kids on campus uh, those were scheduled for the first week of June. So my, my sense is those are probably going to be eliminated this year or, you know, depending on how fast we can get back to normalcy and, and go back to the office and normal work standards and protocols, maybe we can push them back. But at this point, what I'm thinking is they're probably, we're probably going to lose those. So again, accommodations, you just wonder what the NCAA is going to do uh, and allow us to do with our athletes. One of the things that uh, we really enjoyed learning about you guys in the course of the last few weeks of the season last year was just hearing you talk uh, specifically about the importance of offensive line, uh, how offensive linemen are treated, how offensive linemen are treated, you know, when they're coming in, that sort of thing. I know that, you know, we have talked about it, Keith and I have, um, but I would love to hear you talk about it for, uh, for those who didn't get to hear you talk about it firsthand like we did. Yeah, I just think they're the lifeblood of your program, offensive and defensive linemen. I had uh, can't remember who I was talking to just a couple days ago, another interview type of thing, and someone was asking, you know, the key to our defense, who were the the pivotal players, and I we had kind of a no name defense last year. We didn't have a Jake Beasley was a, was a an All American on a couple different teams, but we just had a collective unit that worked really well together. But the heart and soul of that whole thing were our defensive tackles. Our defensive tackles allowed our linebackers to run around and make some plays. And uh, the same thing can be said. You guys, I think everybody talked a lot about our offense this year, and I think rightfully so. Uh, But what made them go was the offensive line. I mean, Brock was able to sit back there and uh, dissect defenses. Ethan Greenfield had running lanes, and Drew Kaminsky had time to get open. And it doesn't happen if you don't have great linemen. So I think – you know, something my dad did years ago, and, and I've, I've certainly adopted it because I think it's important, is, is just making those guys feel special because they don't get their names called out unless they're holding, you know, and there's a yellow flag on the field. Um, so we just do a lot in our program to try to try to make those guys feel appreciated and feel special. And 
different things we do to get them to smile and laugh and, and feel good about what they're doing. Let me ask then about the the quarterback position. Is your next quarterback a guy who was on campus in the spring? Is it someone who's coming in? Are there transfers coming? What does that situation look like, even if it's only in generic terms? Yeah, no, you know, we're, we're going to have a competition in the fall, and, and we're going to just have to let it play out. And that's, again, why, you know, it's a little bit disappointing to, to lose spring ball. Obviously, it's the least of our concerns. Uh, just want to make sure everybody's healthy and uh, our country and the world gets back to normalcy. But from a football standpoint, you know, losing spring ball did hurt a little bit because we would have had an opportunity to at least start to make some progress and kind of let that thing play out. Now it's going to have to happen unless, again, the NCAA gives us some accommodations. It'll have to play out over a two- to three-week span in, in the fall. As far as who is going to play quarterback at North Central next year, they do have two transfers who came in at the semester who are expected to compete. Uh, Jake Johnson threw a few dozen passes last year as a freshman. And as you might expect for a program that's uh, coming off uh, what it's coming off and having the receivers that they have, they'll have more than a half dozen freshmen interested in uh, trying to step in. It should be a fun fall camp regardless of whether it's you know three weeks or longer. Yeah, one of the things Coach Thorne didn't say in that interview is that he's going to have 17 starters back, I guess 16. There was one player who rotated at linebacker who's, you know, depending on how you count returning starters would have been one. Uh, the big hole of course is, is at quarterback and uh, on the right side of the the offensive line where they lose uh, Colton Bockneck, the the tackle and the uh, all American guard, Ricky Sturba, but they lose their tight ends as well. Other than that, everybody's back. Um, they'll lose, um, on defense, they lose uh, Bochamp, uh, the middle linebacker. But essentially, m a lot of that national championship team is back. So my guess is they would ease the new quarterback in, uh, except <laughs> yeah. one major one major problem. <laughs> right. uh, their second game yeah. is uh, is against Wheaton, so there won't be. A, they may ease them in in week one, and uh, and depending <laughs> on whether they're two and zero or one and one or uh, God forbid zero and two at uh, after the Wheaton game, maybe there'll be some room for for trying out different quarterbacks or easing them in. But I think you're going to see a lot of Ethan Greenfield uh, running behind Sharmore Clark and, and some of the other returning offensive linemen uh, early in the season. They also will have to find ways to get the ball to, to Andrew Kaminsky, who is that that uh, All-American wide receiver. And if it's not going to be uh, throwing the ball, and I, I imagine they'll have quarterbacks who are capable of throwing. Um, you win a national championship, it is a lot easier to recruit. Uh, suddenly you get more attention from transfers uh, than you would have. And even though both of the transfers uh, that you mentioned, Pat, are guys who are local to the Naperville, Chicagoland area, um, who may have been on North Central's radar to begin with, it's just easier to, to, to bring in talent when you, when you win the national championship because people – every coach is going around trying to sell to recruits, this is what we could be, especially if we had you. Um, it's so much easier to say, this is what we've definitely can do. I can show you it because we just did it. And uh, if we had you, we could do it again. It's, it's just a much easier sell. North Central, regardless of who's quarterback, pretty loaded. Now with the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, we're joined by Jimmy Robertson, the, the new head football coach at FDU Forum, who has uh, you know, inherited now a situation which uh, everybody is dealing with for the first time. So first of all, Coach, thanks for joining us. And secondly, what is it like right now trying to run a program while you're sheltering in place? Yeah, th thanks for having me, first of all. Really appreciate you getting me on your podcast here. And Sheltering in place is definitely a new world for all of us, especially uh, as a first year head coach. I I've been in the program here at FDU for five seasons, but just taken over the program the last couple months and officially about a month ago, officially. And then all of a sudden headed right into our first spring ball where, you know, met with these unprecedented circumstances in the entire world. And there's obviously much bigger things going, going on in the world than on everybody's minds. But at the same time, we still need to be there for our players first and foremost as the as a mentor as role models for them as individuals that they look up for for guidance in all situations not just football so definitely threw a curveball at us especially like I said first time head coach there was a ton of things that we were ready to do for our first spring ball 
and then all of a sudden, bam, get hit right in the face with this thing and have to adapt and adjust on the fly and, you know, have our players do the same thing. And I know that, you know, we're recording this less than a week before our podcast will actually be released. But in a week, obviously, many crazy things can change. You guys are, you know, in the New York City area. And, you know, that is a, a big, uh, you know, area of focus right now. How How is the mood? How are people feeling? How are people talking? And the guys who you talk to, however you uh, communicate with them, how are they holding up? Yeah, our guys and our team are doing great. Their, their spirits are as, as good as they can be. There's definitely some areas where our guys live that are highly, highly infected right now. Like you said, we're right outside of New York City, about 35 miles from New York City, right in New Jersey. But then a lot of our players live in the North Jersey area, Bergen County, and in New York, Westchester County, some of these counties that are are some of the most highly infected in the entire nation. So we're really just preaching to our guys to just be super safe really just listen to the medical professionals, listen to all these doctors and scientists that are on TV because they're the ones that, that know what they're talking about. And that's the biggest thing we can stress to our guys. And we've had some team meetings on zoom and just calling them all individually. That's the biggest thing we're stressing to them is just be safe, stay, stay apart from everybody, stay inside because it could save lives. And, and that's the most important thing, especially some of the areas where, where our guys live, where our school's located. How do you encourage guys to, to work out, to get reps in, in this sort of situation? What are the, what are the possibilities for someone who's stuck at home? And and as, as a guy who's stuck at home, I'm very interested to learn as well. Yeah. Our strength coach, coach Mott, he's done a great job for our guys. When this first happened, we were coming right off of spring break. And then all of a sudden we find out that we can't come back to campus. So right away, our strength coach, put together a workout plan for that next week for our guys to be at home. And this is when we thought gyms were going to be open, maybe high schools and some other things. So it was initially a full workout plan to stay, you know, hundred percent full steam ahead. Then obviously all the craziness happened and it really exponentially got worse uh, in the area. So we had to adapt and adjust on the fly and thankful to have our, our head strength coach and his assistant who then you know, that next day had a, a workout plan for our guys to do things at home and, you know, just really getting creative. That's the biggest thing we're stressing to our guys is there's going to be teams in our conference in the MAC and throughout the entire country that are going to get better at this time and be productive and hold themselves accountable, not only for themselves, but for their teammates and their program. And there's going to be teams that, you know, get complacent and get lazy and, and do much of nothing. So the biggest thing we're stressing in our strength coach is be creative. There's a ton of ways to get better physically at this time and to develop ourselves physically. Things like filling up a book bag with books or filling up a book bag with other household items, using household items, get a case of water and you can hold that and do lunges in your basement or in your bedroom, or you could do body weight squats, but now pick up that case of water and you're adding weight. So there's ways to be creative with it. And I think that's the biggest thing. And luckily it is 2020. So you can hop on Instagram or YouTube and find a right. thousand at-home workouts instantly at the the tip of your finger, hit two buttons. So luckily we have that, but our strength coach has been phenomenal uh, these last couple of weeks for our guys. Excellent point. You know, when you said uh, be creative in workouts, what flashed through my head was, uh, was Rocky four and uh, Rocky Balboa, you know, fighting uh, whatever <laughs> it was, uh, uh, butchered meat in a cold freezer or something like that. Right. Yeah, that's what it is. And that's what we're telling our guys is, you know, don't don't think using different household items or doing something like Rocky did is, you know, crazy because you got to find a way to get it done. If you can think back to six weeks ago before, you know, everything changed, you were uh, waiting, I guess, to uh, get the call or whatever. Tell us a little bit about what it's like, you know, taking over as first interim head coach of a, a program that you've been with for a little while and then the process of waiting for or interviewing for waiting for, and then eventually getting this job. Yeah, it was uh, first off, just grateful and blessed to be, be in this position and have this opportunity. So super lucky and blessed to, to have that opportunity. And it's because of our players, our student athletes, that this opportunity is such a special one, but it was definitely a long process being named interim head coach, essentially a, a week after our season ended, Um, we had a week 11 by, so we were in a unique situation. So it was a week after our season ended and we were, you know, essentially we were full steam ahead at that time because we're in the heart of recruiting. We're in the 
you know, the heart of finishing the semester for our players. So we were operating full steam ahead at that time. And then uh, luckily, you know, RAD, we had, you know, full control over the program in the interim basis of, hey, you know, this is a national search. You know, you are a candidate, but we're going to look for the best candidate for our student athletes and for our program. Um, but at the same time, you guys are operating like it is your program until told otherwise. So we were fortunate enough uh, to have our administration give us some of the control to, you know, do things that we needed to do to get the program to the level that we want to get it to. So it was about a two month process that the interview process did last. Um, but we were able to, in that time, you know, create some initiatives that we wanted to do within the program to to show them, to show our administration of the things that we want to do and that we could do in the interim basis. Uh, now, a lot of those initiatives are things that we're, you know, continuing to do to get the program to where we want to get it to. What does recruiting look like, like now? I mean, you guys are shut down. The high schools are shut down. The whole admissions process has to be have a big monkey wrench thrown in it as well. Yeah, especially at this level, because for most Division three programs, you know, we're recruiting pretty heavily right now for our 2020 class. Deposit deadlines for most schools are May 1st. So we're, we're recruiting up until that time. We have probably about 75 percent of our class completed right now, but we're still trying to finish out to get another, you know, 15 guys for this class because of the uh, size of roster that we want and need to have that depth and be competitive. So definitely threw a monkey wrench in it, especially for just admissions in general. Uh, funny you say that because even as a department, it's something we were just talking about in the last couple of days as an athletic department of ways to be creative. Again, just like we have to be creative with our players for workouts and other things, ways to get creative now because we can't have student athletes come on campus for the foreseeable future. And there might be someone that we just started recruiting late in the process that has maybe never seen our campus before. So right. how can we virtually get them what they need to see? How can we as coaches now reach out to them in other ways to show them everything that FDU can offer, uh, not only from the football perspective, but the campus you know, luckily we have some great drone videos in our campuses, one of the most beautiful campuses in the world. It's an old Vanderbilt estate and it's the same designer as New York City Central Park. So we're able to show some of these drone videos uh, and use technology in other ways to get it to recruits to to sell the physical campus that they can't get to, you know, for the foreseeable future. You, uh, of course, a college quarterback, a division three quarterback, uh, you know, offensive coordinator at FDU and the offense at FDU has been pretty successful over the course of the past several years. So what has to be done? What are the kind of the steps that to get, need to get taken on the other side of the ball to kind of bring that up to par and help the program move forward? So the biggest thing that we've initiated is it's our system of success, and it's something we call fast five-star here. And it's originated with our offense the last couple of years. And then this past season, we officially branded it fast five-star. And what it is, it's you know, doing everything with great energy and passion in the relentless pursuit of being the best we can be. But it's a complete system of success that now we're going to use for the entire program. couple things we had to tweak to make it the full program because the last year or two it has been uh, things I've done with the offense. But it's that program alignment in one direction. So offense, defense, special teams, all three phases are going to be aligned in this one direction. It's going to be a fun and exciting brand of football uh, that we're going to play. It's going to be fun and exciting to coach in for our alumni, for a lot of people to be involved in. But I think a lot of guys in our defense have seen the stuff we've done as an offense, the up-tempo, exciting brand that we've played. But the biggest thing is it's all aligned in that one direction with our core values. It has our philosophies and standards, our culture, our mission, our vision. And now the defense is in line with this same philosophy and system. So I think that's going to exponentially help the entire program uh, where we're going. You know, fingers crossed or knock on wood, you guys open with uh, one of your previous teams, uh, Merchant Marine Academy, where you were an assistant coach. Any uh, thought or any plans of getting your alma mater, getting RPI on the schedule as well at some point? You never know. You never know. That's a great program up there and had a, a ton of success up there and a ton of fun at RPI. So I, I think the biggest thing and actually – Learned this from Coach Toop, who is the head coach of Kings Point, and one of the reasons why we're, we play them is he, he told me once that you want to play guys that you respect because you know they run their programs the right way, they're going to recruit the right way, their players are going to play hard, but they're going to play the right way. And that's one of the reasons that we're playing Kings Point right now, and, and I know Coach Isernia runs a great program up at RPI, and they're 
one of my favorite Division Three football teams. As long as we're not playing them, I'm always rooting for them every single week. So, <laughs> hey, you never know what could happen. But I think that's the biggest thing, and that's something that Coach Toop had told me, that play teams that you respect how they run their program. And, you know, that's something that we are definitely would look for always when we're scheduling those non-conference games. Keith Robertson and FDU Florham, not all that far from one of the hot zones in the COVID-19 battle. The last time I was at FDU, I could see the New York City skyline on the way out from campus. Also had some amazing meatball sub just a few miles from the stadium. That is like 1996. I'm sure that those things are probably still there. Oh, that's weird because I thought you were making a reference to the sub that Coach Catanzaro had tweeted your way. Oh, no. Um, no, that recently. was... Recently, and I was like, I didn't, I didn't know you went to FDU on that trip. Different, uh, di- two different trips, but uh, man, you know, they, they know how to make sandwiches in Northern Jersey, and then I don't know whether we call them subs or grinders or whatever, because uh, hoagies or whatever. I'm not into, I don't, I, I can't do that. Hoagies definitely South Jersey, Philadelphia, Delaware Valley area type of thing. Um, I, uh, as far as as uh, Coach Robertson's interview, you know, I think you, I, I love hearing these coaches talk because you just the enthusiasm rubs off, and uh, and sometimes the wisdom too. Like just hearing him, one of the very first things he said was, you know, we're listening to the doctors and scientists here, and like that. Yeah, I mean, and to and to that seems like common sense, but not everybody does that, and and this is one of those times where the the people who who are experts in their field, whether that field is health or whether that like the delivery driver, your local guy, like you, all of a sudden what people specialize in really, really comes to the fore. And you realize, man, I really need this person. This person is really functional to my existence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and suddenly it's, uh, it, it's really apparent. Uh, I, I, I just liked, uh, you know, his enthusiasm. And I, I like the very last thing that he left us with which is, is something that he says he got from Mike Toop at, at Merchant Marine, or as they still call it uh, there, Kings Point, which was the, the college's former name in the 90s before it asked to be properly referred to as U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. Um, play coaches you respect. And, you know, at some in some level, that sounds like play coaches on play teams on your level and, and don't try to don't try to be. Don't try to beat Mount Union the the first day you take over or whatever. But I think play coaches you respect is also like a, like a good. Um, I mean, you heard Coach Douglas talk about having a relationship with a coach uh, locally, even though it was one that they didn't get to play except in the scrimmage. I, I do think relationships are still important uh, in, in this game, and and um, that was an interesting tidbit. You know, we've been doing this the podcast, we're doing the site twenty something years on the podcast a dozen or so. And uh, we still hear and learn uh, new things and new idioms and axioms that uh, that we hadn't heard before. And that's one that, that stood out to me. Now's the time on Sprockets where we dance. Now is the time on the podcast where we dive into Twitter. We know you have questions. <laughs> you may have more questions this time of year, this particular year, than any other. So we will throw that reminder out on Twitter when it's time to uh, hit us up. And Keith and I are stepping into the studio. We had a lot of, obviously, uh, questions related to some of the things we've already talked about in this podcast, but held on to this one, which is from at Friar Tuck Deluxe, who asks, with the cancellation of March Madness, which funds the D3 football tourney, how will that affect the playoffs, assuming we're lucky enough to have football this year? And yes, about that part. Um, You know, from a mathematical perspective, the deficit that goes into the NCAA Division III budget out of this is supposed to be confined to the 2019-2020 academic calendar or fiscal year or whatever, uh, you know, uh, form of measurement you want to take there. The Division III budget has been kind of holding back some money to put into a rainy day fund for exactly these sorts of things, right? Which, A, that's great, right? We're not... I don't know, holding a bake sale to try to fund uh, the fund the Division Three operations, but the, you know the fact is that even though we should have a full budget to start with in the fall of 2020, um, we have to a they're going to want to rebuild that rainy day fund. B, you know who knows what's going to happen in the fall and all sorts of things if we're going to have football to begin with. Uh, but I would just think it's natural to suspect that they'll probably be a little uh, fiscally conservative with things, especially in the fall. Football's expensive. Uh, we do have this two-year pilot program on the books 
uh, with this next year being the second year of uh, not having conference opponents play each other in the first round of the of the NCAA tournament, no matter what in NCAA Division Three. So it'll be interesting to see if they back off of that a little bit because that is a place where they could save some money. Last year they could have put Redlands and Chapman against each other in the first round and save some cash. You know, it'll be interesting. We don't know anything for sure. We just have a suspicion that uh, since... You know, this has kind of been a fiscally conservative thing over the years that it'll probably be even more so in the fall of 2020. Yeah, I would imagine, too, that it, w- it would just be greatly disappointing if if the NCAA didn't plan for unforeseen events. And be- because of the amount of money that it brings in and because of the number of schools and championships that it has to oversee, it uh there have there sort of have to be contingency plans for everything already. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly this is you know, they've never canceled all spring sports before. So this is definitely unprecedented in some way. But if uh, we're back to normal-ish by the time football is underway, I still don't think we have an answer on how the playoffs will be affected until you figure out who the 32 teams are because you just don't know. We've done this a number of times on the Bracketology shows where you move one team into the field and they're sort of cascading set of dominoes where if you move that team to match up with them then that team match up with them, then these two teams don't have to travel. And if that team's not in the field, then all of a sudden, you know, and this is often relating to Texas West coast um, and in the Pacific Northwest, but it, uh, it it affects other spots as well. So we won't really know the answer to that question until week 11 of next year. And, And I think the bigger concern is the end of, of fire tucks question, which by the way, Props to him for paying attention to the things we've been trying to teach over the years. Uh, that March, <laughs> yeah. that March Madness uh, funds the the D three football tourney, and every time we complain about the lack of money, remember we don't have to rely on only our own gate receipts, which would you'd get to travel about to the to the gas station off campus yeah. uh, before we'd run out of money. I think the end of his thing is really the thing we we need to focus on is is to just hope that we're lucky enough to have a season that starts on time, where you get to play ten games, where you get to travel. To, uh, to other schools and and fill the stands because if your season was a spring sport you wouldn't there would be no season and uh, I feel for those athletes as, as much as anyone if we straight up lost a football season we'd we'd be uh, apoplectic the right word there I don't know <sighs> I'm not we'd be to... v- highly disappointed might be you know sad <laughs> might be better than angry uh, there's one other uh, question which I just want to touch on and to let you know that we're going to be uh, following up more on this coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's from David Meyer, who is at Frozen Takes in GB, which I can only assume is Green Bay, um, et cetera, et cetera. Does all this hurt the D3 guys hoping to get drafted in the NFL with no pre-draft visits? Uh, we have Adam Turr working on a story right now. He's talked with a handful of guys, um, you know, guys from, oh, I'm just looking at this list of names here. Brock Rutter, Justin Hill, Mason Kinsey, a couple of other guys on the list we're hoping to talk to and just find out, you know, how they are dealing with this. Like if you're Ben Barch, who is, you know, was projected to be drafted as of, you know, the last time people were projecting to draft people, then I don't <laughs> suspect there were uh, there will be too many issues there. Yeah, you may not get to talk to as many people in person, but he was at the he was at the combine, obviously, and was able to talk to people there. You know, it's those it's these other guys, right? The D'Angelo Fulfords, the the Dan Allens. You know, these guys who are most given years are probably not going to be drafted. It probably hurts them a little bit, but interesting to see how these guys are dealing with it. That's a story we'll have coming up. Yeah, I mean, just stay in shape and get into camp and, and do your thing when you get into camp. This was D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast number 273, released on March 30th of 2020. Thanks for listening and keep an eye out for the rest of our coverage this offseason. If you like this podcast, this is where we talk about you rating it in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or wherever you get these and other fine podcasts because that will help other football fans find it. You can also leave comments on a specific episode on the blog page and you can reach us to talk more about Division 3 football on Twitter using the D3FB hashtag. I'm at D3Football and Keith is at d 3 Keith. We have a message board devoted to Division 3 sports. Did you know? Yeah. You looking for something to do with your time here for the next couple of months while you're not watching sports at night? Join the conversation by registering to post at d3boards.com. You can also follow d3football.com on Facebook. 
The executive producer of the Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman. Production assistance provided by Dave McHugh. Our theme music and a lot of the other music used in this podcast is by DJ Mentos, whom you can find at djmentos.com as well as on Spotify. Thanks to our guests, Chris Douglas, Jeff Thorne, and Jimmy Robertson, as well as sports information directors Clark Teuscher and Andrew Romanella for their time on this edition of our show. And, of course, thanks to the creator of Around the Nation on d3football.com and my co-host, Keith McMillan. Right, so we're in the offseason, but we still have new content on the website on a regular basis. We'll follow any of the coaching changes that have yet to happen. Ferrum is going to have to hire somebody sometime between now and when the season starts. And you can also find a new podcast in this feed from us each month. I can tell you this, I'm working from home for like the next two months. I feel relatively sure that we'll be able to carve out time to uh, talk with coaches and make a podcast out of it as well. Oh, my! 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 Oh,